Hello, everybody. Welcome back to another episode of The Mistletoe Secret. I am your favorite burnt gingerbread man, Trey Plutnicki. And I am the special limited edition 2015 Girl Scouts Christmas Cookies Christmas Edition, Daniel Kunkel. And we are back with a brand new year, a brand new, would you call it a season, I guess? I would call it a whole new practically a whole new world dare i say it a whole new world and i am i am so excited to dive in with our first movie of 2015 season tis the season for love daniel let me read um the summary that i read for uh, when i watched when i pulled the movie up do it um here it is Beth Baker is an out-of-work actress stuck in New York City without her friends at Christmas time. She decides to return home to the quaint small town she escaped 10 years before and finds a place far different than the hamlet she left. She suddenly finds performing possibilities and even romance. Okay, so... <laughs> okay, a couple of lies in that yeah. description. Uh, uh-huh. She's not trapped. She leaves very easily. Um, she leaves with a plane ticket. She leaves with a plane ticket. Uh, there are legitimately people who are stuck in New York due to financial, social reasons, whatever the reason. She's not one of them. No. Secondly, she does not find performance opportunities. She finds a teaching opportunity. Yes. Let's get it right. Yes. Uh, and that I don't think that's any sort of official statement. Oh, I thought that was but... the Hallmark one. No, 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 no. That was. It's by this guy named Satin. <laughs> Don't know who that it's, is. I got in a letter on my doorstep. It's a guy yeah. who drops off yeah, my just, reviews. <laughs> yeah, it's it's from my monthly digest. Um, but Daniel, before we jump into this, uh, I think it's important for us to share that we sometimes talk about acting and what it's like to be a performer on this show. And what it what it means to be an actor in a business sense rather than like a, the whole artistic sense. Yeah, this <laughs> this movie finally gives us license to talk about that stuff. This movie gives us of we get a loaded Chekhov's gun at the beginning of this Ooh. movie to talk about. Oh, yeah, we do. Not only not only the artistic nature of theater. But most importantly, the business nature of theater. Because oh, there is a major yes. plot point in Ooh. this movie. There's a couple of major plot points that I think we will have some fun just sinking our teeth into. Um, Let me pull up a review. Please. You know it's the only way I can absorb these films. Yes. It's, it's the only way that I can really focus on this information. Um, Okay. So <laughs> this person... This person found himself um, watching a um, a Christmas movie on Hallmark and is a little angry about a certain word he heard over and over again. Two out of ten. The Christmas, Christmas, Christmas word is overly stated, but I'm just not getting that Christmassy feeling regardless of how many times they repeat the word Christmas. Sarah Lancaster stars as an actress trying to make it to New York on the stage, but after 10 years of not succeeding, she decides to take a break from her struggling actress profession to spend Christmas in her hometown during the Christmas season. When she arrives home, 
she just seems to continually be disappointed by bad news until, yes, you guessed it, the magic of the Christmas season. The actual word Christmas was stated at least a hundred or more times during the so-called romance Christmas-themed film, but even for for a made-for-TV movie with all the cheerful music and all the Christmas decorations and the Christmas-themed fireplaces trying to warm the inside of our heart, simply put, this film only gave me heartburn. This, to me, was a total waste of my time, and I am a big sucker for Christmas-themed films. I suggest you avoid it, especially if you're trying to find a movie to get you in either a romantic mood or the Christmas spirit. Too Mushy would be providing too nice a compliment about this stinker. Um, Daniel, I'm, I'm just in love with Ed Sullivan. <laughs> <laughs> who is the writer of this review because he turned on a Hallmark Christmas movie and didn't expect to hear Christmas 3,000 times in their in their movie. This is um, also like, we have watched definitely some movies that push not so much a Christmas ideology, but I would say decidedly a Hallmark ideology, particularly around work and women's relationship to work slash jobs. This is the biggest offender of that thing yet it it is a it's honestly like um it's proper when i was watching it it's a it's a cardinal sin what happens may i read another review yeah, that's yeah, two even two. better it's 2015 we've earned it yeah it's 2015 we've earned another review trey and i behind the scenes trey and i have not recorded we recorded the last couple of episodes back to back to back in like a week-long period this is our first time recording it in about a month more than a month, actually. Yeah. No, it's been three. Uh, it's, been, it's been a month. It's been a it's month. It's been a month. Yeah. Yes. So to tell you how already exhausted we are should be telling <laughs> you something. We've had plenty it, of time to get away, clear our minds a little I, bit. <laughs> and this one comes in. This feels like not touching water and then being dunked into the Arctic Ocean a little bit. And just we are drenched in Christmas. Yes. Yes. Sorry. Um, this other review. Okay, one out of ten. Strange. Well, 35-year-old child goes back, quote-unquote, home, and her annoying mother still has trophies, etc., and pictures in her old bedroom? Creepy. <laughs> uh, what? <laughs> could, only, could only make 13 minutes. Off! And then, uh, that, like, I'm assuming they, like, turned it off. Um, so, Daniel, do you still have, like pictures in your childhood home of you um my parents recently moved out of my childhood home but but yes they oh, still have but you photos did. of me. yeah like there are photos they've got a couple of trophies saved i think it's also like this is like <laughs> this is a single mother who's her husband the, the main character her father died when she was eight years old and the rest of the time she was raised by her mother so I think mm -hmm. a little bit of holding on to childhood memories is more than earned by this mother. Also, yeah. she lives in like a three-story house. What else is she going to do with that room? Like, I think a, a lot of the times, I think people watch bad movies and they see everything as bad. Yeah. Instead of seeing parts that are like, uh, like the doy, like obviously that is the thing. Stuff. Yeah, it's just, yeah, it's just general movie stuff. Um. And I think this is that's a very it's good like, example. It's, it's people who are like, 
I get really annoyed when people are like, oh, it's a plot hole. Therefore, the movie's bad. And it's like, no, it's no, it's not. Like it's, a, it, you're, it's just a just plot think, hole. Just, yeah, just think for a moment. Uh, the, your favorite movie has a glaring plot hole. Yeah. And I will make you feel bad about it. Um, <laughs> so let it go. It's fine. That is, let it go. that is also not the problem with this movie. We no. We'll get to the problem let's, with this movie. Let's start from the beginning. Oh, Beth Baker. <laughs> Beth Fade Baker in. sleeps. Interior, New yes. York apartment. She s- lives on her uh, best friend's, her wealthy best friend's uh, uh, couch that, in her gorgeous New York apartment. Freeze frame. That best friend wants to get with Beth. You think so? I think she's in love with her. Really? Because who else are, would like? Well, who else would love her? But they're very, right. they're just very close. <laughs> I don't know. The actress does a good job of being her friend. I think she does it too good of a job being her friend. Well, I think she's like super understanding and like think this through, Beth, you know? I think she gives her the plane ticket so that she'll go home and realize her hometown's a piece of shit and she'll come back and start dating. Oh, that's it. Okay. So let's, let's, let's not get ahead of ourselves. So buckle living, up. The plot's a real the, roller coaster, <laughs> ladies and gentlemen. The, she's living in this New York apartment on the couch. Her friend can't remember her friend's name. Her friend gives her a plane ticket. Yes. Yeah. Broadway's this is Kristen the most Chenoweth. successful actress ever because she lives in the most ridiculous Manhattan. I, you know what? I didn't get the impression that she was an actress. She is an actress. She said she's an actress. She's a Broadway actress, though, so she can afford a penthouse oh, three-story apartment she in can downtown Manhattan. Anything she can afford it. Any gotcha because yes. she's on Broadway. One of my favorite lines of dialogue about actor culture is that there is a bar where only the Broadway actors go to that <laughs> bar, which is not true. Technicians no. have secret bars that they go to without actors, which is understandable. <laughs> that just makes sense. Because sometimes you just want to do karaoke poorly. Um, <laughs> that's really good. <laughs> is that right? I mean, that's, that's the truth. 100%. That's yeah. Very You want to do karaoke without someone being like, <laughs> a little pitchy, actually. <laughs> well, let me show you my rendition of Let It Go where I opt up. Oh. Um, <laughs> um, anyway, plane ticket says, go home, think this over. You have this audition. <laughs> <laughs> you did this audition for this David Mamet play. Um, you need to you need to get your mind off of things this Christmas season. I gave you plane tickets to go home. Beth goes, but I got you earrings. So then she goes home. Um, then uh, we we. F- okay, another she- fr- no, sorry, another freeze frame. All right, okay, David Mamet. If you're not familiar with David Mamet, he is a playwright and a screenwriter and a director. You most likely know him from writing Glenn Gary Glenn Ross, which is an excellent movie starring Alec Baldwin. Um, Mm -hmm. You you probably know him from that. He also wrote a very famous play called um, American Buffalo, which is uh, actually coming to Broadway pretty soon with uh, Lawrence Fishburne, Darren Criss, and Sam Rockwell, I think. Oh yes, 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 yes. Yes, that so so that's the that's the big thing she's up for, right? It's not like oh my god, you're up for obviously they couldn't say like wicked, but it's not like she's up for a family friendly musical. She is up for what is in all likelihood a very aggressive, <laughs> hyper male show 
probably about criminals or business people. Just of like of all playwrights that they could have that they could have David Mamet. David Mamet's who you go with. That is absolutely insane. I they, think they were they, trying to be like cool. This is the problem, right? David Mamet is not a writer who other people. It wasn't. They could, if they're like up for a screenplay, they would be like, "Oh my god, you're up for that!" Like Aaron Sorkin play. Like it'd be something that regular people know. But by using someone that like only theater people would probably recognize right away, the name David Mamet, you've instantly made us go, "Oh, David Mamet." Wait, why David Mamet? That makes no sense. <laughs> also, like, is it I? My so my impression when she said that was that it's a new David Mamet play. <laughs> like, I was like, oh my god, she's up for a brand new David Mamet play, which makes no sense because he did he he wrote a show in like the nineties, and then in uh, two thousand nineteen was his most recent play, and that was in London. So. There is it, also there is also literally literally in the entire canon of David Mamet plays there are I think two roles explicitly written for white women. And do you think do you think one of those for. roles are are large enough to be this uh in shambles about? No. It's a, it's a it's Broadway, right? This is a Broadway it's David Broadway. Mamet play. My favorite absolute favorite part is I think the only show she could be up for is a play called Sexual Perversity in Chicago. Oh. A 1970s play. <laughs> so, um... <laughs> so anytime she's telling her loving mother in this, like, very isolated small town that she's up for a David Mamet play, she does need to be saying, I'm up for a big role. What's the name of the show? Sexual Perversity in Chicago. <laughs> I... <laughs> Or an all-female production of Glen Gary, Glen Ross, maybe. A, that honestly, That'd like, be pretty rock and cool. 2015 would be that would be pretty cool. Um, that would yeah, that would be dope. I'm, ta- like, okay, I'm taking, hoping, let's let's taking off. Let's my call cap it the all. Now. Yeah, let's call it the all-female production of Glen Gary, Glen Ross. Okay, let's just, let's just call it. That's that's her big role that she's going in for. Anyway, she goes to New York. She goes to her hometown to get her mind off of this big audition that she had. Um, she goes to her hometown to see that Barry McCormick, her hometown sweetheart, is still living in their hometown. Uh, she kind of knew this. She doesn't want to see. She doesn't want to see Barry. It, it is assumed at this point that they ended on poor terms. She arrives at her mom's house. Uh, her mom is like, uh, "I know exactly what we need to do. You need to get on Santa's lap right this second." <laughs> <laughs> and you need to indulge sorry daniel was drinking water the moment i said she, that her, this mom is dragging her daughter out the door she's like we've got to go to santa yeah. now this instant immediately um, and uh th- because of this like internal struggle that she's having her mom is like okay just ask santa and he'll give you what you want um sh- uh, she she before she has a chance to talk to Santa though, she sees Barry in person and they have a conversation. Yep. Uh Barry is this stereotypical Hallmark dude. He has blonde curly hair and I was like, "Oh, she's going to fall in love." 
He is uh, the younger like re- brother in Chesapeake Shores, the movie and TV show. From oh, Hallmark, I didn't know if that. You've seen that? Yes. Oh, okay. So he's a Hallmark kid. He's a Hallmark boy. Yeah, absolutely. Hallmark boy. Um, he's a good actor too. I like the guy. Oh, he no, he did a good job. Yeah. I, I liked him. And here's the twist. I I didn't expect this. I was like, oh my gosh, they're gonna refall in love, and it's just gonna be yada yada yada. Barry comes in. They have this awkward moment, and then Barry's wife comes into frame and they have a child and And not an infant they've got like a four-year-old yeah so what we find out is uh beth left beth and barry were going to get married they were planning on moving to new york to follow beth's dream of being a broadway actress and Barry bailed. They bought tickets and everything, and Barry bailed. Barry said, I'm staying home. <laughs> and so he stayed home, and he, they broke yeah. up, and he found, a, he found uh, a woman that he loves. They had a child. And now, and now this, and I was like, dude, this, maybe this movie's good. And then Dean comes in. Dean, Barry's best friend. Don't worry. Comes in. He's got a brother. <laughs> It's not his brother. It's not his brother. It's not his brother. Local firefighter, though, Daniel. No, that's his brother. Is that his brother? I think that's his brother. Yeah. No. Wait, hold on. I can't keep talking. I'm going to look it up. I think that's his. I'm 90% sure that's his brother. So, which, I mean, they have. (laughs) Dean has brown hair. Barry has blonde hair. Um, (laughs) They, he's a, he's a local firefighter. Oh my gosh. He's, he volunteers. How cool. Um, Dean comes in and he's like, Hey, what's going on? I remember you from high school. And, uh, they hit it off right away. Uh, they, they small chalk for a while. They go, uh, and then they go away. Beth goes back to Santa. (laughs) Beth asks Santa, um, Hey, uh, I just need a wish granted. Santa's like, dope. I'll grant your wish. Uh, but it might not be what you, uh, you what you want. And she's like, I want to be uh, I want to be in this David Mamet play. And Santa's like, be careful. Oh. Maybe you won't get that. <laughs> and you want to be in like, sexual what? perversity in Chicago? <laughs> <laughs> I um, love that show when it premiered in 1971. Yes, oh, now, Daniel, I think this Santa, I think this Santa is um so this uh, there's something off about this Santa because this Santa is a uh, he's is he, interesting Santa. So he has his his ways of um, sharing being a mentor uh, are pretty conventional. Mm-hmm. However, they are without magic. They seem yeah, but they seem magical. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, he gives her a key, and he's like. Oh, this will help you find out what you want. And then when she sleeps, she envisions an alternate life for herself. Like that's kind of the main idea, not of the whole movie, but let's say the ma- the minute, like the oh my goodness, the middle thirty five <laughs> minutes of the movie. Oh yeah, are just like it's like a dream ballet. Yeah, she was like um, she like gets into bed and she's like, what would it have been like if I stayed? And then she falls asleep. And then she's like, oh, I've, I've got two kids and I teach. <laughs> and she's like, I love this. And then when she starts getting closer to uh, Dean, she sleeps and she's like, oh, I'm married to Dean and have twins and I teach. Yeah. Steamy. It, 
Which, like, and she approaches Santa in, uh, later in the movie and is like, how are you doing this dream stuff? And he's like, oh, you wanted it this entire time. And well, the big twist I, is I don't he's know, like, I don't know if I believe that. No, because the big twist is he's like, oh, that key I just got out of a thrift store and I gave it to you. I just thought it, I thought it was cool. I don't buy it. I don't, I don't, buy, I don't it. buy that. Mainly I don't because buy that for a nobody second. in this, everybody in this town is like, Santa. There's not the scene that we usually get where, so usually these movies, if it's not actually Santa, they go up and they're like, Mr. Blah, blah, blah. And he's like, oh, yep. And he like pulls the beard down. This Santa never does that. Um, there, we'll talk at the yeah, end because no, there's an it, argument he, to be had about like. Yeah, he appears as Santa in the film. Yeah. Like it, he, it feels, he feels as Santa. And if not Santa, then like somebody like uh, what's his face in the department store movie. Mr. Um, oh, no, no, no. Um, Cartwright, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. C- uh, Christmas at Cartwright's. Um, yeah. So, Daniel, Beth and Dean are hitting it off. They go on a date. Um, they are chatting. They say, and it's not a date yet. It's just they're hanging out and they're walking each other home and stuff. Uh, she's... <laughs> uh, she says uh beth says that she's doing a play off broadway or she just got finished up doing a play off broadway uh dean says how far off broadway and beth says hoboken new jersey <laughs> got daniel got that's em. not that's not what off broadway means allow me to educate yeah drop okay? drop some knowledge. that is my primary off broadway is not in reference to how far away from broadway this uh, how far away from Broadway theaters the show is. Yes. It is in reference to the number of seats in the house. I can't remember the exact threshold, but generally speaking, I think it's like 1,500 seats and up is a Broadway theater. And then below that is off Broadway. And then like under like 98, I think, is like off off Broadway. I think it's, yeah, I think it's like 99 or 100 to 500. Is off Broadway. Oh, it's off Broadway. Okay. Anything above five hundred is Broadway. Anything below one hundred is off off Broadway. Gotcha. Or just okay. just a dude's bar. <laughs> or just an open mic night at <laughs> at, at the West Village. Um, yes, it's got nothing to do with. It's always played as a location thing. It, it has nothing to do with location. A lot of off Broadway theaters are like a block away from a lot of Broadway theaters. Also. Why are we burning Hoboken, yeah, New Jersey? It's Jersey. I, Hob- Hoboken Jersey. is a lovely place. Boo, I love Jersey. Hoboken. Okay, boo. Boo, boo you. Jersey. Oh. I'm in a Hallmark movie. Gross. <laughs> I go to Gross, New York New City or my small town. If I have to stop yeah. in between, I'm going to die. <laughs> it's New, it's this New is, York or small. I think I'm willing to say, and there's a recency bias here. I think I'm willing to say this is the most boring romance we have seen yet. We are like 60, 70 something movies in at this point. Dear God. I think he's so like, it's just because Dean is so obviously nice and like a volunteer firefighter and he teaches kids theater. Yeah, like there's no faults with, honestly, with either of them. Yeah, it's, yeah. Um, So... (laughs) Uh, they start going, so Dean and Beth start going on dates. Yeah. They're going, it's going so well. Like what can possibly throw a wrench in these two kids plans? Um, they bake gingerbread cookies together because Beth's mom owns a bakery and they're tasked with making like a, like a 
a couple hundred cookies. In case her, her. last name wasn't a fucking clue. Yeah, Beth Baker. <laughs> so Dean pops the question and says, can you help me teach these drama students? I'll connect you with this really cool school and teacher. And Beth says, dope, I'll do it. I'll, I'll, do, I'll teach the kids. In the meantime, between that, Bill, Beth's agent, gives her a call and says, we, and says you, you did not get the Mammoth show. It was between you and one other girl. Bill then goes on and says, and I will not be uh, your agent anymore. <laughs> Remember that. That's an important detail that will come up yes. later. It is. It, uh, Daniel, so let's talk about the business, Drop okay? It. Yep. So when, uh, how agents work is it usually works kind of like that, where they call you about things and they give you advice uh, when you don't get parts and they uh, share your successes when you do get parts. And it usually, phone calls usually go like that, where it's like, it was between you and one other girl. That's what the casting director said when I pried, like those sorts of things. What usually doesn't happen is when there is bad news, you are not met with instant rejection on all fronts. Uh, it, it, was, it was literally, you didn't get the play, and also, you, I, I hate you. I can't, we can't do this anymore, this whole agent actor thing. Um, the the weirdest part is okay because now I'm confused because did did she do an off Broadway play or did she do a play in New Jersey because if she did an off Broadway play that's still a big deal I think that was a that was like a honk she did like a play in New Jersey she was like okay. I did a play off Broadway and she was like how off Broadway okay New Jersey that makes like, slightly a, more sense yeah then. I kind of took that very literally because in the whole movie she's like my career's going terribly and I'm like well it sounds like that's like at least you can make it in the off Broadway scene it sounds like you're only auditioning for Broadway plays which is yeah that's a, a, that's not a, a hard great <laughs> career choice unless you're it's not a good Craig. strategy. Yeah, go through like some regional theater sort of uh, pipeline. I got some advice for Beth Baker, which, by the way, great name. G- Beth killer Baker. name. You already got that. Yeah, she sounds like a superhero. A, yeah, you're going to have a terrible time getting an equity name uh, with, <laughs> with Beth Baker. <laughs> Here's another thing. Actors Equity, the actors union, you, can, you can't have the same name as someone else because your name is your identity. So you have to call that before you like t- become a member of the union, you have to call Actors Equity Association and go, hi, is my name being used by another registered actor in the union? And usually it is, yes. especially especially in uh, the TV film union, because they have the same thing going on. Uh, but your TV film name can be different than your stage name. Things... None of this is easy to explain, and it it it's hurts. An incredibly it, it literally convoluted system that it is kills me to, to explain. Also, another fun fact: Michael J. Fox's middle name is does not start with the letter no, it J. Does not. It starts with the letter A. That is the best part. It's the only fun part of this incredibly archaic system is that you can just Google actors. Most of them are those aren't their real names, right? They, they, yeah, and that's it, it's cool-ish, but still like it's cool-ish, uh, like, but just, annoying as hell. It's very annoying. Um, so let's move on. Um, 
They date very slowly and very boringly, and they work on a pageant very slowly and very boringly. She also bribes um, the children with chocolate, which is a terrible idea. <laughs> they are learning songs at this music for a musical of a musical review. Kind of like the show I it feels kind of like the show I just did uh, over Christmas. How would you like to not get anything done after two <laughs> times warming up? Because this woman is like, let's do our scales and then I'll give you a chocolate Santa. This ain't a Reese's Kiss either. This is like a two inch tall chocolate Santa. It's a it's a solid piece of chocolate. It's a hardcore it, it, amount it, of sugar. I was like, oh my god, you shouldn't put. And she just left it out while the kids were like at the piano yeah, yeah. and like oh, I was like yeah. a kid's. Someone with sticky fingers is going to grab some of that chocolate. Um, De- Dean and Beth kiss a few times. At the ice skating rink. They kiss at the ice skating rink. They uh, talk in a, uh, they talk about their feelings in the back of a fire truck uh, while eating french fries. Um, Barry, Barry pulls. Dean makes that sound like the best that he's like. Think of all the crazy things we could have done if you hadn't gone to New York, like sit in the back of this fire truck and eat French fries. <laughs> he says that. I he, am, say, he does like, say that. We are. I feel we say this every episode. We talk about stuff like this. We are not bemoaning small town life. I love small town life. What Daniel, I what's your what's your favorite like like thing you you did in uh when you were in living in your small town where you're just like man and where you were like sitting in like this in either like a broadway show or like and or like somewhere just where, somewhere that is the height of luxury and you're like man i wish i could have just been like making mud pies at the edge of the driveway like that sort of thing so you, okay you're talking about compare my time in new york to my time in a small town or or just more so like what is something that you you can get anything you want in new york what's something that you can't get in new york that you can get in where you grew up uh a, a quiet night's sleep something akin to eating french fries on the back of a fire truck i okay so i love driving so that's something where it's like wow like think about what you wow you what you, you would have missed, missed. Out, you missed out you, you missed out you missed out let me see if I can think of There's mine. Just, it's, it's not so much about the amenities. It's more about like the, the pace of life. Like I know uh, there are a lot of our friends still in New York who love that. That right. moves so quickly. I can't do it. I can't handle mm. that uh, for long stretches of time. We, <laughs> Daniel, this is going to be quite something oh that you're about to hear. <laughs> we, <laughs> this is so embarrassing, but I started it, so I have to finish. <laughs> I used we used to get all of the neighborhood kids uh-huh. in in my yard, yep. and we used to play Pokemon. Yeah. So when I say play Pokemon, we're not talking trading cards. Uh, okay. We're we're not even talking the video games. Nope. I'm talking about I'm getting on all fours and I am Bulbasaur. Okay. I'm talking about I am throwing a rock. And then my sister is running behind my back and then jumping out of the rock to be Pikachu. Okay. I'm talking about throwing a rock at a seven-year-old's face. (laughs) I'm I'm talking my next-door neighbor, Grace, was Nurse Joy. I'm talking Pokemon centers. I'm talking, like... We had the the polka dollars. We used yeah. leaves as currents. Yeah, like you were we played with Pokemon. Pokemon. 
Yeah, we you can't get that LARP, hot LARP Pokemon action anywhere else than in River Edge, New Jersey. No, it is also, I'm going to say it, it's no comparison to hiking anywhere outside of New York. It's not comparable to say, oh, well, you can just go like walking in Central Park. It's not a comparison. They are completely no. different experiences. I've been to like four different national parks in uh, rural Utah yeah. in the past three weeks. There's literally nothing more beautiful on this earth, and nothing can compare to walking in, in Zion than in oh, Zion like than, is it, than so in Battery good, Park. Man. You know, oh. there's conveniences. <sighs> okay. There's great things about city life, but I think we've just I think I think we've now covered our bases. You know, yes, we love small towns, loves them to death. I don't discriminate. I just don't. Um, I don't. I don't love the over romanticization. Romantic. Romanticization. Romanticization. There it is. I don't. I just don't love that. I I think that's kind of a lazy excuse to not add any personality to your town. Like at least like um, what was the town? The town Santa or the um, the town where it was like always they dressed up as Christmas and like the guy was Santa Mayor Santa or whatever. Oh, uh, the town of it was the town of mistletoe. mistletoe. (laughs) You know that town. There was no. There were. There's no easy shorthand they were like we're gonna make a town with a really unique vibe and a really unique thing whereas some of these movies are just like wow small town life huh coffee right you, you know, want to you won't get a fancy latte but you'll get okay french fries i guess <laughs> that you can eat in a car you'll know everybody in town and that comes with some upsides but a lot of downsides too it's kind of <laughs> annoying um so Let's get to the let's get to the meat of the argument oh, here. Oh man, yeah. The tough Dean, questions. Dean gets pulled aside by Barry. Possibly and his Barry brother explains, I can find no evidence to the yes. contrary or in support. Barry explains why they broke up, which I explained earlier, which is they Barry got cold feet and didn't want to move to New York. Dean <laughs> Dean is listening to Barry. Barry is saying, I don't know, you need to be careful around Beth because she's got big dreams and I don't know, I wasn't strong enough to yank her away from her dreams. So can you, Dean, yank this ambitious woman away from she, what she wants so true? And I just had some I just had some real problems with that. Some moral, moral <laughs> objections to that. Yes. So, and so like they are, you know, things are, things are on ice now, a little awkward between Dean and Beth. Um, Beth pulls Dean aside because she gets a call back from her agent who's, to say that she. No, who's not her agent. She gets a call back from a man. <laughs> she gets a call. She gets a call back from a man who once was her a agent. A man formerly known as her agent. A family known, the man formerly known as Bill, her agent, and says, you have got the, under, you are the understudy of the part. Because the person who, uh, the person who was the understudy, her leg broke. Or arm, who's to say? Um, and so you're in. They talk. Um, Dean, Dean is like, I don't know if I like I'm I don't know Beth like this is crazy. Beth goes back to New York. Daniel, 
this was my favorite part of the movie. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> we we get to the audition or the the uh, rehearsal room, okay, of the Broadway show. Yes. Beth goes back home to New York. She's she meets with the director. The director goes, "You were my first choice," but the people up top were like, "So I'm so glad you're here. You are the understudy." As a 35-year-old actor in the industry who has done shows before, she receives the information, which pretty much everybody knows that is in the industry about what an understudy is. She receives the information of what an understudy is with... What is, sorry, what is an understudy? Can you you explain what an understudy is? (laughs) Yes, please. An understudy is essentially a cover for a role in the show. The same way that you would get a sub in at work, you would get a, uh, these, that's what an understudy does. Because it's more complicated to like, um, it's, it's, you can't really just, because uh, because everybody on stage is not doing the same job, yeah. you have to have specific people that cover specific parts. Um, being an understudy for a lead on Broadway is considered a big deal. Yes, and it, and it, it is an insanely difficult job. It is a difficult job, and it is a well-paying job. Yeah. It you get as an understudy. I'm pretty sure if you if you are not performing and you are just an understudy, you get paid the same amount as the person who is, or, or you're getting paid the same minimum you would if is as if you were performing. So usually two hundred dollars, two thousand dollars a week. It is also, um, it is one of those things where, like, if you're not in the industry, I don't know how glamorous it sounds, but if you are in the industry and someone's like, I'm an understudy for a Book of Mormon or something, it's a big deal. And you're, it, like, yeah. instantly kind of puts you in an interesting status position. Because, like, even you were, lesser, uh, like, even lesser known understudies in the industry, it's like, that's insane. Because there's, there's, yeah. there's a level of respect and understanding of, like, Oh my God, you know, at least two people's like whole show and you have to be able to go on at a moment's notice, literally and a lot seconds. of like really famous Broadway, especially musical performers started as understudies and, and became, uh, known as, uh, through their understudy work. So Alex Brightman, uh, understudied in big fish. And I believe he understudied in a, Another um, musical uh, that was turned in, like turned into a musical from a movie. I can't remember what. Um, he under uh, Sutton Foster understudied uh, Millie and Thoroughly Modern Millie before the actual person who played Millie went out, and then she became Millie. Um, <laughs> do you like how I'm such a big Broadway this nerd? This is wonderful. <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're, I think we like we were uh, bemoaning it before we started recording because we were like, oh god, I'm gonna do it. <laughs> Man, we're in I our have element, to. Though. I have to lean in, man. Uh, there's another one uh, that I had, it, it, but, but needless I, to say, uh, it is forgot. a it is a really well put, respected position because it is a shit ton of work to do. It's one of the hardest yes. things you can do anywhere, but especially on Broadway. And she walks in. <laughs> she walks into this room, receives the information that she's going to be the understudy, and that she's not going to be. <laughs> Daniel, this is in, was insane to me. The actor is standing right there that she's understudying. Yeah. The actor goes, hi, 
I've been on Broadway nine times. I've never missed a show in my seven years as being a Broadway performer. Again, which is like shit. No. Yeah. <laughs> like, okay. Like, come on, lady. Um, and so then Beth is like, okay, so I, do I just like stand up on stage with her? No. Duh, no. No, Beth. Beth, you don't do that. Beth, <laughs> come on. You, you've, come on. You've done shows. You don't stand it's, up on stage. You get you don't. You if like most of the time, honestly, most of the time, even sometimes on Broadway, if you're an understudy, you're sometimes still in the chorus or like another part. So this yes, is a or, weird experience where yeah. she isn't anything else. She's just brought in to be an understudy for this incredibly rare David Mamet <laughs> actress. <laughs> so and we are she, we are instantly affir- we are instantly affirmed that it is not an all female production of American Buffalo because there are more than three actors and also there are guys. Yes, I think it's so, and it's not an all female production of Glengarry Glenn Ross. No, it's not. A, I think it's just a made up David Mamet play. The other yeah. most ridiculous piece of information we receive is when she's leaving to go to Broadway. She's talking to all of her friends and family and Dave, and she's like. He's like, how long is it? She's like, well, there's, I think, 10 weeks of rehearsal, and then it's an eight-month run. Of an obscure David Mamet play. I mentioned earlier how American Buffalo is coming to Broadway uh, pretty soon. How long is the run? Take a guess how long that run is. Ooh, I, so usually I'm going to guess it's like, uh, it's about two and a half months. It is 16 weeks. Four months. Yep. Four months. It. So that's not even close. It's, yeah, it's not, it's, it's doubling the length of a, probably the most, I mean, the most famous David Mamet play with insanely famous actors playing it. And this is just something. None of this makes any sense, (laughs) which again is fine. That's all fine. I don't expect this level of detail. Don't give us things to latch onto then. Just say I'm up for a Broadway play. Who cares? Just, okay, cool. Why did they have to keep... They didn't say David Mamet <laughs> once. They said it constantly throughout the it's whole It's the David movie. Mamet play, Daniel. Yeah, I think... I mean, I, like, this, to a layman, this, this would, this, all of this is, might as well just be a Broadway play. Like, they might, instead of saying David Mamet play, they might, may as well just be saying Broadway play. But, I mean, David Mamet for you sounds and like I, a made-up <laughs> name. It sounds like, oh, whoa. <laughs> Oh, David Mamet. But to anybody who knows, it's gibberish. It's insane what you're saying. Yeah, it, it's... Uh, okay, I think that's I, my last thing. That's the, that's the last point. Because okay. an eight-month run of any play on Broadway is pretty crazy. That's extensive. Yeah, For that's, any play that isn't Harry Potter or To Kill a Mockingbird. Yeah. Um, and even yeah, when not those even launched, I don't think they had that long of runs. They were extended, but they weren't scheduled right. for that many. That's a long no. time for any show, I think even a musical. To Kill, to Kill a Mockingbird, which, um, I mean, sold out instantly, I think only had a nine-month run scheduled. That sounds about right, yeah. Um, and now they're, they have a national tour, and it's absurdly popular. It took over Hello, Dolly! absurdly popular broadway musical which only had a nine month run or a 10 month run i think yeah like so none of this makes any sense yeah um let's talk about the end she freaks out she hates the idea of being an understudy gross spits yuck 
So she goes um, back wait. home and st- she quits. There was also, before she d- decided to take the Broadway job, she does quit. But let's rewind. Wait. Before she goes to take the Broadway job, the, the head of the school that she's teaching at uh, goes, hold on, let me, I, I think I, I took close to an exact quote. This is Trey's audition for the role of principal number one. Yes. Um, <laughs> he, he goes, he goes, now, Beth. This part-time elementary school theater teaching job is very tantalizing, Beth. Make sure you think this over before you go back to New York, your big old New York. Let that simmer a bit. For one of the you always have a job here. jobs in our industry. <laughs> a part-time drama teaching position. That's the other thing. It's like these small towns, they don't even present them accurately. They don't even, they can't even bother to like present them how they actually are, which is like. That's not even a job. That's uh, like, not a job. Uh, like fun- functionally, that's not a job. Yeah. Like, like, since, like sincerely, that's like maybe that you get $10,000 a being year. Like, how are you going to make any money? And she'll be like, don't worry. I'll pick up the rest of my hours at my grandma's bake shop or my mom's <laughs> bake shop. And it's like, this woman yeah. has no financial literacy at all. She's making, what would she make as a part-time theater teacher i i I think it's probably like ten thousand dollars a year yeah like it's a year nothing um maybe extra thousand if she does the christmas pageant and also every other thing ever she quits broadway (laughs) and does that (laughs) so like what's the and she has twins and that's the end of the movie her friend her broadway friend is like you're committing career suicide if you do <laughs> She's like, you idiot, because she knows she's on Broadway. Okay, that's the end of the movie. They, they, the end of the movie is Dean and uh, Beth wake up together, and they have their, the twins. They have twins, and, and, and they come to their bed. An inscrutable amount of time has passed. It could be two days, yeah. or it could be five years. <laughs> I, was, I was shocked. I like I, I when those twins yeah. w- ran up to the bed, I was like, I am bewildered. Well, as um, soon as her and Dean started dating, and there was thirty minutes left in the movie, I was like, Oh God, no, no, because now she's gonna get the job and either turn yeah. it down or go and then turn it down, and I don't know I which she one's would. worse. I knew she would. Um, what a so, rough, rough way to start 2015. <laughs> let's let's um, we have three more things to to bang out. Yes, in this let me episode, consult our calendar. We're gonna do a let's, new thing because this hit us hard, and we've got to rebound. Yeah, let's start with the new thing called the jolliest and the naughtiest, which is a segment where Daniel and I share our favorite and our least favorite character. Of this, of this movie. Yes. So, jolliest and naughtiest for "Tis the Season for Love." May I go first on our inaugural? Journey? You, you may, you may jolliest, absolutely go. First. I'm going to say is her best friend in New York. Okay, jolliest Let's her crash best friend on her couch buys her, I presume, two plane tickets. One both times back yes, to her round small trip. town. Um, yeah. Oh, sorry. So yes, three tickets. Three tickets. Yeah. Then yeah. I guess for the final um, plane ticket, I think she gives very good advice. I think she's very supportive and i was frankly a little offended on her behalf that she was back to the small town i mean she committed career suicide daniel you can't quite follow your friend after you do that she's also somehow either through nepotism or smart investing managed to afford managed to afford one of the nicest apartments i've ever seen ever (laughs) in apparently downtown manhattan absurd um yeah 
naughtiest, I think it's got to be the main character. Beth? I think it's got to be Beth. Beth is your least favorite character. Yeah. No. I don't know. Um... Yeah, no, she is actually. Okay. Because everybody else owns their truth, and this woman is presented the opportunity that she wants and turns it down, but I don't think it's in a like, oh, wow, she finally realizes what's really important to her. She just doesn't understand how, she didn't understand how hard it was to work in her industry and throws hissy fits whenever it doesn't go the way she wants. We are, we, I just want to say we are super biased about Beth's life. A hundred percent. A hundred percent. I am putting, no, I, I have like, put on my, the, my theater goggles. Her mom, a little much, but her mom knows who she is and is very comfortable where she is. Her ex-boyfriend is very happy. He tells her so much. Uh, his wife helps her publish a stupid article at the end of the movie where she's like, I love you all, actually. <laughs> that was, that was, I'm and the, so sorry I skipped that over. And the boyfriend... <laughs> And the boyfriend, like, is a volunteer firefighter who teaches kids theater on the side. And that's awesome to me. I love that. She is, by deduction, the, the naughtiest. Okay. What are you going to say, though? That I, like, I like yours. Jolliest. Yes. The director. Oh, oh, a good decision. Yes. Yes. Jolliest is the director of the David Mamet play. He comes in like a bolt of lightning and goes, you were my first choice, but the producers, they made me do something else anyway. So the person that you're covering, she broke her leg or her arm or whatever. It doesn't really matter. You're going to sit over there. Okay. And it was lovely. (laughs) And he's wearing an excellent, nearly floor length, apparently silk scarf the entire time. Yeah. It's it's perfect. Excellent. Yes. Good choice. I'm going to say naughtiest. I'm going to go naughtiest is you know what you gave me a good pitch i think i think naughtiest is it has to be Beth. um you know something when i while i was watching this movie and like they're all talking about like their actor stuff i'm like these people are all fucking actors yes it's, <laughs> it's the like best part these of people all these know movies. what these people know what a horse shit they're spewing like come on man I'm generally uh. a, like I generally as an actor, you don't question the script. I think there is a moral obligation for them to question at least some elements of this script and just be like, yeah, do I have I, to like, say it's an eight month run? Can I just say it's like a four month run? That's still a long time to be away <laughs> from someone you just started dating. But like it's more it's real. It's a realistic time frame. There's there's also like. I mean. This isn't even like, I, I don't know what old Broadway was like, but for some reason I imagine like an understudy in, in, in old Broadway didn't mean as much or wasn't as valuable. But this is like, this is 2015 Broadway. I was imagining Dean saying the words as his actor being like, but you can't go to that Broadway show. You got to come here. And teach the kids. <laughs> and I was like, like Dean as the a- like Dean's actor, the actor that plays yes. Dean, saying those words. I imagine he was like, I would never say that to anybody. No, every actor in this movie is like, you got an understudy role for a presumably new David Mamet play. <laughs> Grab that and hold <laughs> on. Yeah. So I got this. Um, I got this new play from. By playwright Lin-Manuel Miranda. I'm not really sure if it's going to take off. Uh, I got an understudy for one of the roles, but uh, I don't know. I don't know. I, it's don't like, know. I don't think you should take it. You got to 
You gotta you teach gotta elementary school fries. students their arpeggios. Yeah, you gotta eat French fries with me. Um, so that would that's our yeah uh, new segment. Boom, boom, boom. That's our segment. Brand new. All right, let's do connect. Uh, let's do connections. Connections. Yep. Um, I think the biggest connection we've got is that Santa specifically says he gets his magic key from a thrift shop. Uh, and maybe thrift shops. Maybe could be interchangeable for an antique shop. I would, I would call them one in the same, in fact. One in the same. Daniel, and as we know, antique shops are the in direct opposition to real estate owners. So what do we know about Santa now? As, as we know that he is shopping at an antique store and getting his magic goods from antique shops. I like this idea of potentially antique shops taking in mundane objects and turning them magical. <gasps> okay, I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm in. I'm so in. I I'm really, so really in like on that. that idea. <laughs> and I think that can kind of retroactively explain a couple of things we've seen in other movies where it's like, wait, why did this clock bring love together? Well, it's magical now. It was inside an antique yeah, shop. It was in, it was in an antique shop. What are you talking about? <laughs> you idiot. It's like we got it from an antique shop, you dummy. Of course it's magic. Uh, I love that. Yep. And I love that for, that's a great first connection to start off in, in 2015. Um, so we also got an email. Yeah, we got an email. No. Um, I think it was, was it in between the airing of the final episode of 2014 and then the wrap up? I believe so. Yeah, this was, okay. this was a couple of days ago. Um, this is from friend of the show, Ruby. Um, sent us an email. Um, oh, a- uh, tell, tell, uh, Tell tell our friends what their uh, their special um, introductory thing was. Which what was what? Uh, who who they are? Oh yes yes. So Ruby emailed. Uh, the email begins. <laughs> I am the Hallmark protagonist who wore a green green dress before it was cool. Ruby, she that, <laughs> and I've officially caught up on the podcast. I, <laughs> I I laughed I laughed out loud. I love it. Uh, um, so good. R- Ruby once again has sent us a thesis, and I mean that in the nicest way possible. Um, there is a ton to unpack here, um, but they basically break it down. <laughs> Into into two main ideas that I really like, um, and what, the biggest idea is that is is very prominently on Zuck, which I'm so happy about. Uh, thank you for indulging me in my in my Zuck. So uh, they said Zuckerberg is truly the business boy to end all business boys. His interests in many ways align with those of the DHS. Social media is more efficient than any DHS operation. The DHS can kill one rogue North Pole war vet at a time. Facebook can have an insidious impact on Christmas cheer everywhere. What are a few things social media is infamous for? For one thing, people present a falsely perfect image of themselves to the world. Uh, and she kind of goes out from there to <laughs> really just address the fact that Zuck setting up Christmas girls and business boys is so that Christmas girls can't tear down the DHS. And this ties into the larger theory that it's not so much that the DHS and the United States government are fighting Santa as they are fighting the one person who can expose their numerous war crimes. (laughs) <laughs> and that and I, that and Zuck I, is basically running damage control for the DHS. I like, I like that. I like that the idea that Zuck is re- running heavy damage control. Yes, and also running kind of like an insurance operation. Yeah, where 
where Zuck is making sure that there is not a Christmas girl with an S gene out there. Yeah. Uh, and to ensure that uh, there is not what, not someone who has a certain special power that can truly take everybody down. That's super funny. I lo- yes, I love this idea that it's not about mutants or whatever. It's literally just like, oh, shit, this woman is going to become a lawyer and figure out what we're doing. we got to stop her. Christ. Which, honestly, yes. okay, now that I say that, makes me reevaluate this film and say, is her best friend possibly an agent of Zuck? Well, I don't think she doesn't even like Christmas. Like, let's be honest. Like, as much as they, oh, as the, much the, as main, the reviewers, Beth? yeah, no, Beth doesn't even like, Christmas. like, Beth doesn't, kind of doesn't even like Christmas. So I, I don't think, I don't think Zuck has anything to do with this movie in particular. It's also the but, one thing that makes me think that their relationship will last past Christmas. Cause this woman really doesn't care. She's like, Ooh, a pageant. Yeah, she's cool. Yeah, she's not really engaged with the Christmas season. She's engaged by putting on the best pageant this town has ever seen. And like helping her mom decorate. Else. But that's like her mom is like, we gotta decorate. Yeah, her, mom, her mom's, yeah, her mom makes cookies. Yeah. Okay, so yeah, I think that, yeah. Thank you, thank you so much, thank Ruby. Thank you, Ruby, for, that, is, um, that is remarkable. Is um. lovely. <laughs> um, well, I think... Um, I think we crushed I, is that, it, and only it, it only took us an hour to get through all of our gripes <laughs> with this. Um, and you'll only hear fifty minutes. You'll of it. hear probably most of it. Um, you want to know what we're watching next week? Oh yeah, tell we me. We are watching Ice Sculpture Christmas. Callie, oh. an aspiring chef with her childhood friend David, enters Callie into a club's annual Christmas ice sculpting competition against her boss. Callie's passion for cooking and ice sculpting are met with romance and Christmas spirit. You are going to, I swear to God, there's Callie Shaw and her romantic interest, David Manning, which is like four letters away from David (laughs) Mamet. Oh, Paul (laughs) McGillan's in this one again. Hmm. Paul McGillan was our um, singing boy. Do you remember him? Oh, wait, singing boy. No, I don't. He was um mm. he was Christmas magic. Singing boy. He was the oh, guy. Yeah, he was the what? guy who was like oh he owned a restaurant but he wanted to play piano. Oh, yes, 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 yep. yes, yes. They're back. Okay, he's back. He's Ooh, back. Brenda Strong um, is Chef Gloria. Uh Daniel Sutton Foster, Brian Darcy James, uh Gavin Creel, Alex Brightman. Uh, Hugh Jackman. <laughs> what, are, what do they all have in common? I mean, there's only one word to describe them, and that's stars. Yes, and there are five of them, I which can't. you can go on Apple Podcasts, and you can give our podcast five stars. It will really help us out, especially if you leave a review with it. And we will read your review on the show. You can also visit our website, mistletoesecret.com. You can also um, email us at mistletoesecret at gmail.com, just like Ruby did, and share with us your theory. Uh, and you can follow us on Twitter at hcusecret on twitter.com. My name... Do, do you have anything else to I say? I don't think I have anything else to say, no. My name is Trey Plutnicki. My name is Daniel Kunkel. And I am reminding you to stay jingling and stay jelly. Thank baby. you for listening 2015 2015 2015 <laughs>
Go home and live with your parents. Give up on your dreams. <laughs>